0: Are you looking for entertainment for a fundraiser, outreach, youth night, date night, or for a conference? Does your team need a way to improve team camaraderie, confidence, and communication? Well, look at Wellverse Comedy for a show, performance, or a workshop. Wellverse Comedy is Chicago's clean comedy team, and we're ready to serve you, your audience, or your organization. We've headlined our own shows at the Second City at Gutty's Comedy Club in Indianapolis and started our own TV show called His Line. And we've raised over $5,000 for charity in just the last two years. Years. We are now booking for your back to school bash, fundraiser, and even your holiday parties. Contact us today and let's see how a night of high energy, clean, original, family friendly comedy can make your next event memorable for all the right reasons. Connect with us on social media at WellVersedCMDY. That's at WellVersedCMDY or online at WellVersedComedy.com. WellVersedComedy.com. For booking information, email us improv at WellVersedComedy.com. Welcome to the Gifts for Glory podcast, where we celebrate and promote men and women using their gifts for God's glory. Know someone who is making an impact for God's kingdom using their gifts, talents, and passions? We'd love to meet them. Send us an email at podcast at giftsforglory.com. That's podcast at gifts, the number four, glory.com. And now here is our host, Dave Ebert. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Gifts for Glory. I'm your host, Dave Ebert. Really excited to have you along with us today. As uh, so we have a really powerful guest that's really made a huge impact in our world, and uh, really excited to share his story with you tonight uh, and uh, talk about everything that uh, that he's been doing in order to uh, raise awareness and just to kind of wake people up to what is going on in the world and uh, and the fact that we're really being lied to on every uh, every front. So it was really exciting to to have him tonight. Uh, before we get there, I want to remind you about Wellverse Comedy. We are available uh, for your next gathering, whether you're looking for a fundraiser, a date night, a youth lock-in. If you want clean, family-friendly entertainment, that's going to be engaging, interactive, high energy. We have an amazing troupe, and we'd love to come to you. Uh, just give us a, uh, drop us an email, improv at wellversedcomedy.com. Improv at well-versed-comedy.com. And we'll put together a great show, including stand-up sketch, uh, a devotion if you'd like to. Uh, We're there to serve you. So uh, email us, improv at wellversecomedy.com for your next uh, outreach event uh, for a great night of comedy. But if you're looking to maybe get some improv training, we do that as well. So uh, email us, improv at com. And let's move on to our Devotions with Dave segment. Uh, Tonight, uh, our Devotions with Dave will be coming from uh, the book of uh, 1 Corinthians. Uh, chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Uh, here Paul is admonishing the church, saying that uh, basically we have to clean the church. We're responsible to protect the church. We are responsible to keep out the evil, uh, to keep out uh, those that would lead people astray. We are the gatekeepers. We, we, The church is open to anybody that wants to come in and pursue and get to know and find out more information about God, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit. But once you're a member of the church, if you're a believer, once you're a part of the body, we are called to actually work to protect the church among the believers. And uh, this is Paul's admonishment in uh, chapter uh, 5, verses 12 and 13. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, outsiders being those that don't believe, those that are not part of the church. Uh, but it is certainly your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside. But as the scriptures say, you must remove uh, the evil person uh, among you. <laughs> and here it's so important. We, we kind of rest on uh, the, you know, thou shalt not judge or judge not lest ye be judged. And we take that out of context where we miss what Paul is telling us to do. And Paul is telling us that we must remove the evil among us. That doesn't mean that just because somebody's a sinner, they get thrown out of the church. But we're talking about people who are in the church. Uh, whether they're a pastor a lay leader or, or somebody that's a professing believer, if there is somebody that's a source of corruption within the church, it is our job to protect the church. We must protect our father's house with zeal. Jesus flipped over tables, chased money changers with whips. He showed us the zeal we should have to protect our father's house. And we need to uphold that. And we need to follow Jesus example. We need to follow the words of Paul here that, uh, You know, it is not our responsibility to to judge the outsiders. We'll leave that to God. But we do have a power and responsibility to call sin, sin, wrong, wrong within the body of believers so that we don't corrupt the body and so that we don't mislead the new believers. Because Jesus also warned us that, you know, it, it would be a bad thing for us to cause a stumble among the young believers. So uh, here Paul is just uh, kind of reiterating that. And we need to be careful and protect the church, much like Jesus did as he chased out the money changers. We, too, must protect our father's house with that kind of zeal, because it's so important for the church to be a safe place to to come, to worship, to grow. And we can't allow false doctrines to reign. We have We have a responsibility to protect our father's house uh in as much as, as god uh, empowers us so that's our devotional with dave uh, just an admonishment just an encouragement that if you feel like something is amiss in your church you don't have to sit idly by you don't have to be quiet about it and that is our devotional day from first uh, corinthians 5 12 and 13 uh it is our responsibility to protect our father's house and now let's get to our uh our, our interview uh, we have Seth Wholehouse. Uh, he is, is a podcaster. He's a, a TV uh, a, a host. Uh, he's doing a lot of things just to, to wake people up here in America to what is really going on. Uh, now you think uh, Christians, maybe we should get involved in politics, but I think that Jesus did get involved in, in a certain level because he fought for truth. He stood for truth. He stood against the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He, he told them wh- what was right, and he told them what was wrong. He wasn't afraid to go against the leadership of the jewish people because they were oppressing and keeping jewish people down and i think we can follow that example and here is a clip from uh the now viral the the worldwide famous uh video uh the plot to steal america uh steal america here's a clip from the opening clip from that uh, video and we'll get to our guests in just a moment
1: 2020 has been a year like no other Everything we know, everything we trust, and everything we've come to rely on has changed. So how could we expect the US election to be any different? Mainstream media are telling us the race is over. Biden won, time to move on. Nothing to see here, folks. But in your gut, you know something's just not right. From the strange patterns on election night, to the weeks of suspense, to the reports of fraud that evaporate faster than Biden's memory. It just doesn't add up. Stay with me, and you'll see just what's going on behind the scenes in this election. And why the greatest threat we're facing right now is not an invisible enemy invading our bodies, but one that's invading our country and our minds.
0: So Seth Holhouse, welcome to the Gifts of Warrior podcast. I'm uh, really excited to have you along with us.
1: Dave, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here.
0: And the crazy thing about the last two and a half, almost three years now has been how quickly things change and how quickly things that are so important now have faded. And it feels like it's been more than just two years since the 2020 election when it, and I think that you, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, you can admit if you have intellectual integrity, that some things didn't add up. Uh, Heavily Republican counties flipped by 40 points in states like Michigan. Um, And the, the thing was, in 2016, the election was stolen by Trump and Russian bots. And then when you confront somebody that says, oh, Biden won fair and square, you're like, well, that means that Trump fixed the elections, right? And they're like, no, 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 no. So it's just, things just did not add up. So. What spurred you to create this uh, now viral, well-known, worldwide uh, famous video, The Plot to Steal America? What kind of spurned you into that moment of, I'm going to say something, I'm going to do something. How did that happen?
1: Uh, you know, quite a quite a, a journey. I'll make it, you know, try to compress it. But I, I think that fundamentally for me in that process, it was my wife and I that made it. I, I think that fundamentally it was a belief that there is a battle of good and evil that's waging right now. And we know, I I met my wife in New York city, you know, doing work, you know, we had been, we both had spent, you know, probably nearly two decades um, each combating and fighting against communism, uh, specifically Mm. in China. Right. Um, And, and that was, you know, that was the initial awakening for me that happened back when I was in college. I met this guy, that had spent like eight years in a forced labor camp for his spiritual beliefs. And that's still happening. And so that was what initially shook me to this realization that there still is evil in this world. And I think that's one of the, um, the illusions that we have here in America is, I, mean, I guess less so now, but you know, we, this, this belief that life is, is beautiful and comfortable, right? We have our, our our white picket fence, and we have our bubbles, and we have our our sports, our entertainment, our bread, our circuses, etc. And being able to look and see what was happening in communist China, that was a very big awakening moment for me. And so I've been tracking it for for quite some time. And so as we led up to the election in 2020, and you know we we saw you know Trump campaigning, the media just coming after him, and you know, know, at that point, it was very clear to me that the the Chinese Communist Party had to get Trump out of office, right? So they're using all their control in the media and big tech to help accomplish that. And then after the election and seeing what happened, you know, know, Fox calls Arizona, et cetera, it was just this, this realization of like, well, we have to do something about this because again, it's not about politics. It's not about, you know, left versus right. It's not even about elections. It, you know, I think fundamentally it's about a battle of good and evil. Mm-hmm. And from what I what I see, um, you know, it's like we're up against Satan. And I think that you know, one of Satan's places where he's really taken hold of the world is through the Chinese Communist Party. And so when I see that encroaching on my country, and I see what's happening with the the elections and everything, um, for me choosing to fight against that is is me saying you know what god like i'm on your side and i'm going to stand on the front lines as one of your warriors because you know this isn't 1776 where you grab a musket and or a pitchfork and you run out to join the regiment this is you know right now we're in in fifth generation warfare right this is we're we're in information wars that's that's what the battle is right it's literally we're in the midst of a war right now it's world war three the, the winner takes all, basically globally, but the war is being waged via information warfare. And so when I saw this attack on our country that I looked at as a communist coup, um, you know, my... I got my, it was towards this is like, I have to fight in this war. And so my wife and I both had a background in media. And so we said, well, let's just make a video. And I've been, I've been, we've been talking for some time, you know, leading up to this is saying, maybe we should start a podcast. And, but it wasn't like really my calling. I was like, I don't, I wasn't really setting out to be someone that spends time in front of a camera talking to people, right? Like I was Mm -hmm. actually, it had a whole different business and life was comfortable. Um, But it was just what God wanted me to do and wanted us to do. And so we, Create. We spent about a month or so um, building a little studio in the home and uh, creating this video, "The Plot to Seal America." We put out there, and within a couple of weeks, Trump ended up sharing it. It went all over Facebook and Twitter, and really all over the world. And it was like, okay, well, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So here I am today. Yeah,
0: and I think that that's uh, what you you kind of touched on is something important as, as we continue this conversation this episode, our conversation is not a, a MAGA pro MAGA, you know, Trump, you know, this is more about the truth about what really happened, regardless of who won or lost or, or who benefit who lost. We were seeking for truth. And there are some things that just don't add up to what happened in 2020 uh, with the elections, with uh, the way things were counted in uh, Philadelphia. And all of a sudden, you know, re- you know, Republicans couldn't be a part of the count. Uh, windows are covered. Regardless of where you stand, we should, as Americans agree, that's wrong. And we should stand against wrong. And we should fight for the fair and free elections where there's complete transparency. We know who won. And, and if we have the correct president in office now, that's the way America voted. But we have to be able, as Americans, to agree. Let's find the truth before we just say, okay, the media calls it, let's listen to them.
1: Yeah. And I think that, you know, with, with regards to politics in general, I mean, the more, the longer I've watched, you know, everything unfold with politics, the more I think that we're up against a uniparty system. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the like, you know, people that they say, like the people that say, Oh, the, the left, the left, the left, the left, the people that, that are constantly talking about the left, it's kind of like, well look at our own side. You know I mean, right. it's like I, I don't even like taking sides. It's like the the corruption, the control is there on both sides, and, and I think that it's really you know going back into just your know, communist you know, way of doing things. It's all about class warfare, mm-hmm. right? The the key is to get the people divided against each other and have them fighting against each other, so they don't realize who's pulling the strings. And if I look at what's happening in America, like the greatest trick that they, they've played, the communist Satan, et cetera, is pitting half of America against the other half of our country. Yeah. And I think that's the like that's the trap that we've gotten pulled into. And there's a lot of people that say, well, you know, I like I like Fox News because you know Tucker's been really dropping some truth bombs or whatever they're saying. It's like I, I feel like that. Yeah, there's some good things he's talking about, but fundamentally, the role of these media, which are controlled on both sides at that level. Is to keep everyone locked into this fight yeah. of thinking that the enemy is the liberal. And actually, I think that I have a lot of friends and family that are are liberal, and you know they may not vote the same way I do, and they're good people. I'm not saying that they're not they're not evil people that want some satanic agenda. They might want better health care for their aging mother. They might want you know um, more opportunity for immigrants. It's just that they've been they've been lied to, and they've been duped into supporting something. And it's kind of like looking at the LGBTQ plus, you know, the, the alphabet soup as it continues to grow movement. And this is exactly you know, how communism works is that they create this identity, they pull everyone with it, but then they slowly start changing that identity and they start adding these principles to it and, and really saying, you either agree with everything that we add to this or you're not one of us. Mm -hmm. And so what started off as saying, hey, you know, like, you know, gays should have some rights in society. They shouldn't be persecuted. It's like, yeah, okay. Like, like, I don't agree with how they're treated in Muslim countries when they're, they're thrown off buildings or stone, right? So it started off as that, but now it's it's gotten to a point where it's morphed into something where they're saying that boys can be girls and children can choose their own sex without their parents' consent, um, and even you know we we see more grooming and, and pedophilia uh, kind of seeping in to that movement. And so I think that there's a lot of people that they might at one point have said, yeah, I support you know this movement, but now they're being kind of roped in. I think it's 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 a trick that the devil is playing to to get people to cor- be, be corrupted, you know, to kind of slowly inch them off of that cliff. So they go from saying, you know, look, we shouldn't, um, you know, put, you know, gay people in jail to then they, they're slowly changing their thinking of like, well, maybe, you know, if a child consents to it, it's actually okay. You know what I mean? Um, and so that's, it's this slow March and that's, you know, and fundamentally that that's what, that's what communism is all about. It's a cultural Marxism. Like if you look at where we're at in America, you know, we didn't get to this place overnight, right? We didn't get to the place where, you know, we've got Cardi B singing these disgusting songs on stage where we've got what's happening in the school system. You know, this started really strongly back in the 60s, but this has been a very, very slow march of yeah. getting us at every step to say, well, that's not that bad, right? It's not, yeah. you know, like, oh, that that new R-rated movie, you know, like it says a cuss word a lot. And I know there's some nudity in it, but well, all your friends have seen it. It's not that bad right it's like so we've gone from you know mozart to, to madonna right mm-hmm. and we've gone you know from michelangelo's sistine chapel to piss christ and it just happened you know through all these little series of of yeses and you know and i like what you what you talked about in your devotion uh, at the beginning and saying look you know we we have to be responsible to protecting good and fighting against evil and i think that that's really Again, as I mentioned, the, the battle of good and evil—that's what this really boils down into—is that it's like I feel like all of us are being watched by by God, and He's saying, "Look, are you going to do what's right?" You know, just because you say, "Hey, I believe in Christ," does that mean you got a ticket to heaven? You know what I mean, or is it like, what's it mean to believe? Does it mean that you're actually standing up for the virtuous principles that He taught? I mean, you're you're standing up for morality and for family, etc.
0: Are, are you kneeling or are you willing to stand up and go into that fire with uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Uh, and uh, I think that you would agree that over the last two years uh, after the pandemic started, we saw too many within the faith go ahead and kneel because everyone else was kneeling and too few were willing to take that stand.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think that's not, it's not by coincidence either. You know, I recently have interviewed, uh, Trevor Loudon, and he's a regular guest on my show, yeah. and he's someone that you know, literally has a documentary about the enemies within the church. Right. And you know, when I when I was talking to him, I said, you know, Trevor, in your opinion, what percentage of the you know Bible colleges and seminaries and churches, what percentage do you think are actually compromised, have been heavily infiltrated by the communists in America? And he said he, from his war estimation, close to ninety percent. Mm-hmm. So close to ninety percent. Again, this goes back to. Like you can trace these people back into their communist roots because, you know, communism is rooted in in Marxism. And, and I think a lot, there's a lot of folks that think that, oh, well, communists is atheist. Well, it's actually not really. Communists, they hate God. It's not like they walk around saying, oh, there's, God doesn't exist. There's actually there's Go back to Marx's original writings. This guy had a vendetta against God and he made a deal with Satan to destroy God. So mm-hmm. that's what we're up against. But yeah, it's really... Like, you know, we looked at what happened in uh, the pandemic and, you know, the churches that were either, you know, forced people to have the vaccinations or forced them to wear masks or stay home, you know, they completely bowed to the state instead of looking at their own uh, principles and understanding of what is right, what is righteous.
0: Yeah. And I've said that before, there, I live in Chicago Chicagoland, so every once in a while we get hit with a huge storm and sometimes those snowstorms hit on a Sunday. There's wisdom in closing your church due, you know, for a a definite amount of time because of weather or other circumstance in Florida, closing because a hurricane is coming that morning. There's wisdom to adhering to safety and safe measures, but that should be your decision as a pastor, your decision as the board of the church, not succumbing to the state. Who is leaving the the marijuana shops open open, leaving Walmart open, Strip clubs and yeah. you
1: know casinos, everything, right?
0: So that, that's always been my contention is yes, there's wisdom in shutting down. Even if you you can even make an argument for the first two weeks of saying, okay, let's say two Sundays off, we'll do the virtual or you know, we'll just do house calls or whatever. I understand the finite amount of time, but when it became a constantly moving goalpost. That's when, as a church, you need to stand up and say, hey, wait a minute. You, as the government, have no right to tell us when we can meet. And we have seen, we saw during that time that no mosque was ever raided by the FBI. No mosque was ever raided by police. It was the Jewish church, uh, synagogues and the Christian churches. And I think that that should be a wake-up call to all Christians.
1: Oh, it, it, exactly. It just shows where they're targeting. But also, when you... When you look at this as being a war, then you start to look at, okay, well, what are the ways that the, how is the enemy attacking us, right? Like, how are they fighting this? Because let's just say that, you know, you, you see the enemy and you're in a war and they've got sniper rifles, right? And they're all sitting up in, you know, urban landscape with sniper rifles. You don't fight against them with shotguns, right? right. You say, okay, well, we need to have our own sniper teams and, and it's going to be a, a drawn out battle, but you have to, you have to really understand who you're up against to understand how to fight this particular enemy. And so if you look at, okay, so say we look at, okay, our enemy is is the communists, right? It's Satan. And how are they fighting? Well, their number one way of fighting is through destroying the moral fabric of our society. And they talk very openly about this. They talk about the destruction of the family unit. They talk about the destruction of the church, the destruction of the education system. But fundamentally, it's actually... It's a battle of morality, mm-hmm. and if you look at again, go back to that slow march. You know, look at Netflix promoting, you know, literally shows called Lucifer. You know, shows about cannibalism, shows like Cuties, which you know really kind of push a pedophilia uh, agenda, and you can see that this is how they're fighting. And so, I think that on the flip side of that, it's like, okay, well, that's their sniper rifle, right? It's to attack. Our morality. Well, then, how do you fight against that? Do you rush off to go into politics? Like, no, that's like using a shotgun against a sniper rifle. Mm-hmm. No, like you actually focus on improving the morality, strengthening the family unit, strengthening the bond between you and your you know, people of fellow faith, you know, strengthening your, you know, commitment to live a, a, a moral and upright life. And I think that you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, they, they pray and they say, you know, God, please save our country, please save our country. And my perspective is like, you know what? It's it's on us, each individually. It's on us to make our country a country worth saving, right? Because you know, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, right? There weren't there weren't a handful of good people you could find in there, and so that was the lesson. Like, if if they could have gone back and found, you know, some people that were good, maybe there was a chance for that city, right? But we have to make it so that America is a place. Where you know God would look down on this and say, this country has become a beacon for morality and hope and uh, and, and wisdom and truth and honor and all the things that they're trying to eat away. They're trying to eat away at, at truth, you know, by by the most fundamental truth of God gave us a man and a woman, right? They're they're attacking the most fundamental truths of that. They're attacking it with evolution. So they're 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 attacking the fundamental truths that we've been given. To, to kind of push us into this warped world where you don't know good from evil. You don't know up from down. You don't, know, you don't know left from right. And so I think that the way that we fight back against that, and this is a very common message, you know, in, in what I, what I talk about and what I you know, kind of dig into and in the guests I interview is it's like, we have to really take a strong responsibility uh, morally. And that's, you know, that's how we, we have to fix this nation.
0: Exactly. If you think about uh, um, second Chronicle seven fourteen. There was a, a process to God healing the land. We have to repent. We have to turn back to God and seek his face. Then he'll heal our land. He just isn't obligated to just heal the land because somebody prays. We as a nation need to be led by people who lead us to repentance. to Say, God, you know, forgive us our sin. Forgive us the sin of abortion. Allowing uh, enemies to reside in our churches, allowing false doctrine to become popular because it makes people feel good. You know, once we hit that moment of repentance, then at that point, we can seek God to heal our land. But until we hit that moment, God is under no obligation to heal the land. We, I'm sure, and I I know you, you would agree that we have a lot of Abraham's pleading with God on the, on our border saying, if we can find 10 righteous God, will you please save the land? And I'm thinking we're getting down to nine or eight righteous. And, you know, you look at the end times, there's nothing to indicate that America's even existence in the end times. I think that uh, in many ways, once we fall, that's kind of like the symbol that, you know, Israel is going to be vulnerable. And that's when all that stuff starts happening. But you know, we shouldn't push that clock faster. We should try to fight against it a little bit.
1: Yeah, exactly. We, we absolutely should. Absolutely should.
0: And though um, I had uh, Trevor Loudon on a couple of weeks ago and we talked about enemies in the state and, and the different things that he's seen. And the thing that in m- these conversations that I've had with uh, people that have stood up against uh, this advance in communism is the communists are into the long game. They're into the slow march, yeah, slow Absolutely. If they lose a battle, they know that they're still winning the war. So they don't care if they lose a court case here or an election here, as long as they continue to erode because, you know, maybe they take a step too far and all of a sudden we fight and push back. But then there's not quite the willingness to fight with that next step because, you know, a lot of people got upset over cuties, but cuties are still there. So what's the next step beyond cuties? Actual nudity. Because we've got to the place where, yeah, we canceled Netflix for about six months, but now people are back. So now let's do Cuties too, where there's actual nudity. And then we'll push back a little bit, but then it'll stay. And it's it's that gradual erosion and it's that long term because the enemy, he's not under a time constraint. He doesn't care if it takes 200 years or 2,000 years. He wants to destroy the church. So because... Communism is a tool of the enemy. They're not worried about a timeline. They're worried about the end goal.
1: Oh, they really aren't. And this is something they've they've also um, they've played against us because you know with us in America, you know we live in a very instantaneous culture right yeah. it's like oh you got amazon prime oh the package is two-day delivery like i want next day delivery right it's like oh i want you know i want lunch go through the drive It's like why is it taking seven minutes i want my food in three minutes right? right you know like we've we've really are as a culture we've been turned into this culture where we expect you know quick things we, we're not really patient especially as you get younger the youth they want things just instant 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 yeah but if you look at you know even the communist plans right they, there's there's a 100 year plan literally it's called the the 100 year marathon to and it's to to supplant the united states to take down the united states and so when you know when mao zedong started kicking off all these plans in early communist china he wasn't looking at it and saying i want to be reigning over america in my lifetime he was saying i hope that the few generations after me can continue this and then we'll have success and so i think that It's also really important for us as Americans to look at the amount of time they've put into this, right? Even if we start, if we go back just to the sixties, where we saw a huge influx of communist ideology coming into our country, you know, through the sixties, it's like, gosh, that that's what that like, that's like 50, 60 years ago, right? That's 60 some years ago. Right. And so if you look at that, it's like, well, they've been doing this for 60 years yet for, I think for a lot of people that are, you know, more pro-freedom or patriots, they're like, I woke up three years ago. Why isn't this over yet? You know what I mean? Right. Like, why, why haven't we won yet? And I think it's like, we, you know, we have to be, be prepared that this may not be some short battle where, um, you know, we have the, the military steps in and arrests everybody. And, you know, like, we're like, oh, great. You know, back to back to life as we knew it. Like, this might be a 10, 20, 30, 40 year battle to save our nation. Um, and, and it might get ugly. You know what I mean? But we have to realize that it's like, it's almost like you let the enemy spend 60 years building camps and infiltrating your city and putting up together plans. And in a couple of years, you're like, Oh, we want to win the war now. It's like, no, I think that we have to really, um, you know, just take a step back and think, set the right expectations. Because if a lot of folks are thinking, Oh gosh, you know, they still have the dominion machines and um, they, they, you know, they're still like, look what's happening in our schools. And when is this going to end? Um, i think that that will lead to us giving up yeah right if if, if you're getting ready to run a marathon and they, they tell you okay hey you know what it's going to be 10 miles you have to run you're like from the very beginning you're like okay like i can brace myself but if 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 you think it's only going to be a 1 mile race and you finish that first mile and you're like i'm i'm done like you're only you're only 10% of the way there you're going to quit after probably one or two miles but if at the very beginning you so say you know it is it's, it's a 10 year it's a 10 mile race I'm going to stick with this. I think that we have to really adjust our um, our mentality and really look at how we can have the long uh, game against him, but also still, you know, still being very proactive in the here and now.
0: And as you're speaking, I'm just thinking of the level of faith and commitment. Almost like in Hebrews 11, it talks about basically the hall of fame of faith of uh, Abraham and, and these other legends of the Bible who who died without seeing the promises fulfilled, but they died knowing that they would be fulfilled. And if we on this side had the faith of those people in the faith that the, the communists have of dying without seeing the promises fulfilled, we would win the war, but we don't have that same level of faith that, that the enemy's camp now has. It's kind of swung the pendulum the other way where now the enemy's servants have that long-term faith of, I don't care if I see the promises fulfilled or see the goal fulfilled but I know I'm going to be a part of it. And, and we on the other side of kind of, like you said, had that ADD moment of, oh, we've, we fought for two years. We fought for two elections. Why, you know, why have we won yet?
1: Exactly. Exactly. But I think that there's a lot of folks that are, you know, like you doing what you're doing, me doing what I'm doing. You know, the, 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 the people are changing, right? If you look at America, you know, where America was at five years ago versus now, there are so many more people that have really woken up and they're standing up and, and, and they're looking at this and, and they're educating themselves They're turning off the mainstream media. And so there is, you know, there is, a, you know, there's a lot of positive momentum. Actually, it's massively positive momentum, um, especially after, you know, the, under the four years of Trump, where whether people like Trump or not, that revealed so much about our mainstream yeah. media, so much about our politicians. And I think for a lot of people, it's like, that doesn't make sense. Like that, yeah, there's something off here, right? And so I think that we're at that place now, though, where we are seeing a lot more people um, realizing the truth and seeking the truth and then finding it, again, going back to that whole idea of it being an information war, they're finding it to be, okay, look, this is it's my responsibility now to spread this truth.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I just want to remind everyone of the website to find out about the show, the podcast, you can uh, find it at maninamerica.com. Uh, and also look for uh, the plot to steal America on uh, YouTube, and uh, it's also on Rumble, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's, it's funny because it's still on YouTube, um, which because I we put that video up the day before YouTube rolled out their new rule about you, know, you can't question the election, basically, uh, and so it got grandfathered in. So that the fact that it's still there, some people are like, "Are you are you controlled?" Like, I'm like no, it's just just timing that happens to yes. still be there. So. uh
0: has it been demonetized or are you getting any royalties from it?
1: No. And I I didn't monetize it at the very beginning because it was literally the first video mm-hmm. I put up and I wasn't even at a place where I could even monetize my content yet. Because you, you to be able to monetize your content, you have to hit a certain level of subscribers and views, etc. So I, I I couldn't even monetize it. So yeah, it is it is what it is. Oh gotcha.
0: Well, uh, Seth, what I want to do now is transition into what's actually my favorite part of the show is hearing each guest' faith journey. Uh, how did you find faith? Did you grow up in a Christian home? Uh, was there uh, a major moment in your life where, where things changed? Tell us how uh, you uh, became a Christian.
1: So, I mean, I, I grew up in a Christian home and um, and just kind of had that foundation. Um, and But, you know, I think like a lot of Americans uh, perhaps or a lot of Christians, you know, I didn't really understand my overall faith until much later in life, and it was really actually for me the, one of the big turning points was um, I got to a point when I was in college, and I you know I, I went to a liberal arts school and saw a lot of depravity and um, you know and and I you know kind of got pulled into some of it in certain ways as a lot of us do you know in our youth and in college right, right. Uh, partying etc. and but I remember like feeling conflicted like this isn't how I was supposed this isn't how I was raised this isn't you know there's something that didn't feel right about it and I remember I got this crossroads where you know one evening I just I just prayed for like the entire night and my my single prayer was just that like God I want you to show me why it's important to be good mm-hmm. right like and that, that was just that was the question that was in my mind is like I feel like I should be a good person I shouldn't be doing these bad things um, but it's just like I was begging. It's like, can you please just show me um the importance of of just being good? And it was actually shortly, uh, you know within months of that, I think, um I had met this this Chinese guy I was telling you about that was in a labor camp over in China. Mm. And it just like something clicked for me. It's just like, this is it. like th- there's this evil in this world. And it was like, God wants me to be a voice of good. To stand up against the evil, and so that was like that was a real pivotal point in my journey where that faith went from something that was probably a little more intellectual and something you you know you read about at Bible school and your 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 youth pastor talks about it, uh, going from that into something where you really you live and you breathe it, and you say you know what this is this is why I'm here. Nice, that's
0: awesome. uh, How God will put people in our path to make things from that intellectual to the tangible from theory to practice. Uh, so uh, I really like that story. That's, uh, that's awesome. And, um, and, and one of the things that I just want to reiterate that we uh, mentioned earlier in the show is that getting involved in the current events of the world is not the antithesis of faith. And it doesn't contradict being a godly man or woman. In fact, fighting for truth and justice and and what's right is one of the most noble things you can do. Uh, so how did you go from just, you know, from uh, meaning that, uh, you know, just kind of going back over your story uh, to the creation of man in, in America, how did you go from finding that faith to now uh, being a voice where you're probably on a lot of watch lists for people? How, how do you take that step and how would you encourage others to take that step?
1: I think that you know, for me, like it, it was a series of small steps, right? The same way that the the, the the long communist march is a series of small steps. And you know, I was someone that you know, I, I actually like, I had a, quite a disdain for politics most of my right. life, and um, I wasn't someone that you know, I was I was always a little more outgoing, and uh, you know, I, I was I could be fun at a party and whatever, but I, I wasn't. Um, you know, pre, you know, kind of positioned to jump out in front of a camera like this. And so yeah. it was just these series of steps, especially this is you know, back in 2020, when a lot of the, these battles of, you know, communism versus, uh, you know, freedom and everything were really waging. We had the BLM riots. We had, you know, like, if you remember that, that time of our, in our country, it was very polarized and yeah. people were getting kicked off the social media And so, but it was just this series of this, these small little things. It wasn't like I went from doing nothing to say, you know, hey, I'm gonna make a YouTube channel and I'm gonna put my own, you know, my face on it, right? That was a big step to say, you know, this is me. A lot of people that they may make a video or they're active on social media, but they're behind their truth warrior 75. Do you know what I mean? And it has a picture of like a, you know, like a, like an eagle or something. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for me though, it, it just, again, it was these series of, small steps of just having courage, right? And it was this realization that, you know, courage is a muscle, right? It really is. And there's a lot of people that might be thinking, you know, oh, like, I don't really have the courage to do this. And maybe that thing right there, you don't have the courage yet, but find the one thing you have the courage for and do that. And then you'll find that, wow, actually the next step is a little bit easier. The next step's a little bit easier. And before you know it, you're going to look back and you're going to be like, gosh, how did I never have the courage to do this before? and that's what i think it is it's actually it, it's courage but to me courage is rooted in faith and it's rooted in truth right so it's courage but it, like where does the courage come from it's not like I'm a mountain climber and you know my courage is to you know free climb without any any ropes and that, that's where the courage is no the, the courage is i'm fighting in this battle but i'm on the side of good right and i'm fighting for truth and that gives me courage knowing that this is the side of the, of the battle that I'm on. Right. It's like knowing that who I've got behind me and knowing, you know, all the angels around me, like that gives me courage.
0: Yeah. Now, what would you say, or has there been a price that you've paid? Is it, if you lost friends or relationships with family over the last couple of years, has there been a price that you've paid for speaking out the way you have?
1: yeah certainly. Um, you know I had I had hit piece articles coming out about me earlier on from mainstream media. Um, I had you know family members that stopped talking to me um, for, you know, uh, upwards of a year. Um, and so I did, yeah, definitely had that. Um, and that was difficult. Um, I had to shut I shut my previous business down, um, not because it just was failing because of what I was doing. I, I, I had to take that leap of faith to say, this is what I'm going to be doing full time, and so I'm going to you know, kind of shut down this other business I'd really built up that was you know, doing fairly, you know, fairly well, supporting my family. Um, so there's, you know, all these losses, but it's also where there's losses, there's gains, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I lost certain, you know, fa- you know, family and friends in that process, but I gained new family and friends, actually ones that I, I feel closer to now than I ever have, the people that I've met um i've lost opportunities in a previous business but open, open up new opportunities under this and so it, it's like nothing has been taken without something else being given back to me and i think the key is just being able to recognize like ah oh, this is this is what it is coming back it's actually you know it, it's a blessing and then you, know, you go through that process and you're like okay well i can just i'll let it go i'm just going to let it go and i'll get whatever i'm supposed to get basically
0: so uh before we get to our final two segments um what is your outlook for America? What do you think that we as a country need to do, and do you think that we're capable of doing it?
1: I think that we, I think that we need to, as America, find our moral roots again and and become so strong and vigilant and protecting and establishing that foundation again in our country. Um, I whether we can do that, it's up to us. Um, can we? Yes. Will we? I don't know. Right. Like I have control over what's in my immediate realm and what's, you know, in my family, in my community, in my life, et cetera. Um, but I, I think that you know, the, the future of America, I think is very, it's very uncertain actually. Like, I think that we've, you know, a big thing that I cover in my, my show is bigger picture geopolitics. What's happening with food shortages, what's happening with fuel shortages, fertilizer, how that affects our way of life. I talk, talk about prepping and being prepared. And I, I do think that we have very difficult times ahead of us in this country. And it's not, a, it's not like a, a dire prognosis to say that. It's trying to be realistic, that there's going to be some rough times ahead. I think that we're going to see uh, inflation continue. I think that we're going to see potentially a collapse of our, of our dollar um, as we see what's happening with the BRICS nations and the rollout of the you know, different currencies that are kind of kicking our dollar out of that uh, petro you know, dollar status, the world reserve currency. So I think that we're we have some some tough times ahead of us. Um, but I also think that you know I, I love the idea of the fourth turning right and, and the fourth turning. Looking at the four stages, and there's a meme that was always floating around recently about that, and that basically how I think, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but strong men create good times. Good times create weak men, weak men create bad times, bad times create strong men, right? And so where we're at right now is we're at that stage of we've allowed good times to create weak men. And so now we're going to be in the bad times that create strong men. And so that's where I think that we are. We're in the time, it's going to be bad, but these bad times will create strong men.
0: Amen. Very cool or not cool, but yeah, I appreciate you saying that we're we're in, we know where we are in the cycle. It's just now time that uh, we need to prep. We need to stop being afraid of being toxic. Max masculinity and just be men. Yeah. And be ready to leave. So as we wrap up, we got two uh, more segments. I know uh, we wanted to get you out. Uh, Pretty quickly. So we'll go through this uh, last two segments uh, as quick as possible. First is the interrogation seven random questions that uh, otherwise wouldn't have fit in our conversation. So here we go. So, first question uh, what makes you laugh? Uh,
1: Dry humor, Um, like Seinfeld, The Office, Um, you know, just. Yeah. Dry sarcasm. That's one that makes me laugh. Also about my, my daughter. I have a little daughter. She's two years old. Aww, nice. she, she's always making me laugh. So I'd say, yeah, those are, those are two good answers.
0: Very good. Question number two, what's your favorite comfort food?
1: Probably ice cream. I, I would say ice cream and pizza. Those are my like the real big comfort foods, which makes sense. Cause like as a kid, like what's Friday night, like the best night of the day of the week it's pizza and ice cream in a movie. So that's, that's where I revert back to.
0: Very cool. Number three, with whom do you most identify in scripture?
1: Ah, oh, probably Job.
0: Job? Yeah. Very cool. Number four. Be willing
1: to, to suffer, you know, and, and there's a plan for it.
0: Awesome. Number four, uh, what's a talent you have that few people have seen?
1: Um, well... Actually, I I would probably say one thing that comes to mind is is actually artistically, um, you know, photorealistic drawings, um, you know, painting, sculpture. Uh, I was I was a you know kind of more classically trained artist, and I don't I don't get time to do that anymore. But I used to you know do giant big poster portraits in black and white and all kinds of stuff. So that would probably be something that most people wouldn't be aware of.
0: Okay. Number five, uh, what keeps you up at night?
1: Hmm. You know, actually, not much. I've gotten to a point where I just, once it, when it's ready to, when, it, when it's time to sleep, I just I lay my head down and I go to sleep. I, I'm not someone that um, is up worrying at night, thankfully. It just, um, you know, now what, what worries me is just the state of our country and, and communist China, et cetera. But thankfully, not a lot actually keeps me up. I still sleep like a baby every night.
0: Very nice. Question number six: Who in modern politics would you most like to speak with, and what's your first question for
1: them? Hmm. I'd probably, I would probably say President Trump, um, for you know, probably a lot of the obvious reasons. Um, the, you know, and, and what the, the first question? That's a good one. That's a you know because there's a lot of questions. I'd have, um, I'd want to ask about the vaccine, you know, mm-hmm. kind of touch on that. That's, that's one of them. Wouldn't be the first one though, because that'd be a quick way to end the interview. And so right. I'd be very conscious of that, but. Um, I would say maybe the question I'd ask him would be, what role do you think God will play in saving our nation?
0: That's a good one. I, like, I his
1: don't... answer yeah. would, would, would tell me a lot, I think.
0: Yeah. Very cool. And question number seven, final one. Uh, what would mark your life's work as a
1: success? I think that if I can just encourage as many people as possible to just strengthen their faith and be good people, right? And, and, and to continue to expose the crimes of, of communism, the Chinese Communist Party, to as many people as, as I can in the world. That, that, that would be, that'd be my mark of success.
0: All right. And Seth, the final, final question of every interview is for anyone that's wanting to use their gifts for God's glory, whether that's their talents, their passions, or even their experiences, uh, what would your wise counsel be?
1: I would say that the most important thing is that God gave all of us, everyone, every single person, God gave gifts to. And it's really easy to look and say, I can't do that. I, don't, I, I can't do this and I'm not good enough. Um, I think that one of the, the most important questions that we can ask is just that, God, please help show me what you want me to do. And I think be very humbled with that. I think that God will lead us to what we should be doing. And so, you know, maybe, you know, you can't have a podcast, uh, that's fine. But maybe you can be on the street passing out information to people or making phone calls or doing something else. There's, there, for, in, me, for anybody that wants to to kind of step forward in this fight, this battle of good and evil, I really believe that God will have a place for every single person on the front lines, just about asking humbly where they belong. That's
0: a good word. So, Seth Wholehouse, find him at maninamerica.com. Find the podcast Man in in America on any of your favorite podcast platforms and connect with him on social media uh, on Facebook at Seth.Holehouse. And then uh, you also find him on Twitter at maninamericaus. All those are in the show notes and uh, Seth, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for fighting and uh, being willing to uh, put the truth out there. Um, I think that anybody that is really willing to pay attention and not be an ideologue knows that there's something wrong and we need to join in the fight to, to push truth so that uh, there can be a light in the darkness.
1: I couldn't agree more.
0: Uh, Thanks again for uh, being on Uh, next uh, show will actually be tomorrow night Uh, Join us with uh, Brian Anderson, a filmmaker, uh, the uh, director of East of Middle West. He'll join us tomorrow night right here on uh, Gifts for Glory. And uh, Seth, uh, we appreciate you so much. Uh, Keep up the good work, and uh, uh, we'll hope to talk to you again soon.
1: All right. Thanks so much, Dave. Appreciate it.
0: All right. And we'll see everyone tomorrow. Have a a great night, and uh, uh, God bless.